I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Real Lives with Adam Con. My guest today is Josh. Josh has had the misfortune of knowing me for about 16 years now but despite that we had a really good conversation and I think you're going to enjoy it we talk a lot about social media in particular poetry and there's going to be a few links in the description where you can find Josh and his poetry as we discuss later I've also included a couple of the books and podcasts that we mentioned as well at one point in the discussion, I got a bit confused thinking about a particular book that I couldn't quite remember. Uh, it turns out I was actually thinking of a podcast called The Butterfly Effect by John Ronson, and that will also be included in the description. So thank you again for listening, and I do hope you enjoy. What was, uh, what was it like at the allotments today? Uh, it was very hot and it was very grueling. Uh, <laughs> I spent a lot of time on my knees, um, kneading horse manure, <laughs> uh, which was uh, not 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 too bad. When did no. you start that? Like when, when you just kind of mentioned it randomly in the group chat that you, oh, I'm going to the allotments today, and this was a few weeks ago. I just thought, since since when has that happened? Yeah, well, I've been I kind of been thinking about it for a while. It's that's something I wanted to do, and um, it actually belongs to Leo, my friend. Um, he was laid low with coronavirus yeah. so he needed someone to kind of step in and tame it because it was like so unruly you should have seen the size of the spinach plants on there they were like trees um, <laughs> you know it's, you you've used a chainsaw i could probably have done with a chainsaw yeah some of those spinach plants no I, my experiences using a chainsaw aren't aren't great <laughs> as no. you know I'd, I'd so recommend it though like, I, it's not something I thought that I would really love but actually it, it's really good was it quite therapeutic I imagine just kind of being out there and yeah yeah massively even just um, watering the plants is therapeutic <laughs> better than on uh, your animal crossing watering the plants uh... um, it's, it's on a par it's neither <laughs> better nor worse <laughs> no it's definitely better because it's real and generally real is better than fake <laughs> i think there's a debate to that but depends what we're talking that's, about that's very a very big debate i think <laughs> i often find that tv is much better than real life yeah well i've been watching a lot of sopranos and that that is not better than real life um tony's life seems hella stressful 
and I'm, I'm glad that I... <laughs> Hella stressful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never really got into The Sopranos. I don't think I've ever even seen an episode, you know. Um, it's so worth it, but there, there are just so many hours of it. Mm. Um, I think there are something like 90 episodes in there, each an hour long. So there's literally like days of viewing. Um, but the lockdown has been excellent for that kind of thing. So um, if you haven't been watching The Sopranos, what <laughs> long-form television drama have you been consuming? In this, in this Lately, period? none. Not drama-wise, anyway. <laughs> There's enough drama right now <laughs> that, that I don't need anymore. I've been really focused on light-hearted comedies lately just to try and keep some kind of... If I want something intense, I'll read the news. Yeah. That, that's generally how it's been. But in terms of like long-form drama, I, Sons of Anarchy, just love it. It's one of my favourite shows. I don't think I know anything about Sons of Anarchy. Does it involve motorbikes? It does indeed, yeah. It's about okay. a bike again. But no, I, I, in terms of consuming new content, especially during lockdown, I've been listening to a lot more podcasts than I think I would normally. Probably reading a little bit more as well. What, give me your, your top five podcasts, because I basically don't listen to podcasts really at all. So, so I'm actually thinking about starting a YouTube channel as well, just to kind of keep the creative juices flowing. And the first video would be my top five podcasts for you to listen to right now. Uh, I would actually put my own in there. I'm not oh, going to lie. Would it I number would, one yeah. or number five? It, I'd say noticed. no particular order because, <laughs> yeah. No, I'd, I'd definitely put mine in there. I think, I think this is a good podcast. Like if I may toot my own horn, um, it's just a little yeah, twist th- on that typical um, structure, you know? Yeah, I, I think the concept's very strong. And it's good because um, it's kind of a bit like Mark Maron's podcast, but uh, we're all nobodies, you know? <laughs> They're not like, <laughs> you haven't got Obama coming around. No. You've got Marcus that was- Popner the intention and I actually cannot wait to get Marcus on either. I'm very excited <laughs> for that. I haven't listened much of Louis Theroux's lately. I feel like that would be really good. Well, he's grounded. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been listening to Adam Buxton. He's a good one. I listened to the Louis Theroux of John Ronson. That was really interesting because obviously they're in the same field and there's kind of, there's kind of a combative element there. Yeah. I am. Um, that's how I actually describe John Ronson to people who've never heard of him. I just say, imagine Louis through, but in written form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's not quite so meek as Louis through. I don't think, I think, um, I don't know. He, he makes more kind of like, he's like the early Louis through who would make kind of ironic comments and subtly push people towards admitting kind of what they really thought. What sort of um, what stuff of his are you familiar with then, John Ronson? Um, uh, I think the only book of his I've read is the one about public shaming. Uh, so you've been publicly shamed. Is that the um, one he wrote about that porn star who killed herself? I'm not sure. He did. He did a book very recently specifically about the porn industry. I don't know if that's the one you. Read. No, if that, I think that might be a different. One. I think. Does he mention in it about like a twit, like that there was a porn star who made a, what was considered a homophobic remark on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she then later clarified what she'd meant 
and I did kind of understand her point. It was just, it was written so poorly originally. And then because she got so much abuse, she ended up killing herself. What, uh, cause I looked into her, what happened? She, um, the initial tweet was she was asked to perform with a man who had done gay porn and she wasn't happy with it. So she pulled out of the, um, production, but what she didn't clarify was the reason she pulled out was because this guy had done unprotected sex and yeah. didn't have a current test to prove he was clean. And that's why she was offended at being demanded to do this shoot. But by the time she clarified, it was too late. Yeah, I guess everyone just thought that she was making the assumption that because he was gay, he may be infected with HIV as apparently all gay men are. Yeah. Which they aren't. Yeah, that, that was kind of where it went. But that's the dangers of Twitter, I guess. And because you, you're very you're very prominent on, on Twitter, I'd say, from what I've seen. I don't use it too frequently, but you always seem to pop up. Because I only follow like 20, 20 accounts and you're one of them. Um, yeah, I'd say I'm reasonably vocal on it. I wouldn't say I'm prominent because that presupposes that I have many followers, which I don't. <laughs> How many followers do you have? Like 400, which okay. is... Small, small time. That's 20 times what I have. <laughs> I literally have yeah, 20. Well, by the time this goes out, I'm sure you'll have getting onto a million. Yeah. Oh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what it, so when, when you post things, what is it that, what goes through your head? Why do you choose to post those things on, on Twitter? If you, if you are under the impression that you're not prominent and no one's really going to pay attention to, to you. Um, well, what I never do is post things off the cuff. Uh, and I think that's what gets a lot of people on Twitch into trouble. Is if I post something, it's usually because it's something that's bothering me and I feel much better about it if I word it well and get it out of my head <laughs> and into the world. So it's a form of um, venting. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I, it's, I, it's basically a form of eloquent venting, hopefully. Okay. So from what I've seen anyway, unless a couple of your tweets have been lost in my newsfeed of... The Guardian seemed to post far too much for my liking and just flood my newsfeed. From what it I've might seen, because you don't follow that many people, though. Like, how many people do you follow? Because literally about I, 30 accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally, you probably should have like going on for a thousand. It needs to be like a constant stream. Well, it's like I tried, I spoke about something that Juno had posted in my most recent recording, and I just wanted to fact check it. And she only yeah. posted it like a week and a half ago, and she tweets like three times a day. So trying to flick through her page to try and find it was a nightmare. And this is when you've got accounts that are posting several times a day. If you're not on Twitter all day long, you, lo- you lose track. But yeah. So you're talking about venting and talking about, obviously, uh, these are very considered posts you make. Yeah, that's been... not to say that I don't immediately delete them, though. Oh, okay. I do that quite often. <laughs> You've been, I've noticed you were very reserved in, in the past week at, at the time of recording and biggest thing in the news is George Floyd and the riots that are going on. The only yeah. thing you've commented on is a slight joke on the idea of curfews. <laughs> I, I did post something a bit more substantial this morning, oh, okay. which you may have missed, mm. but um. I, I'm kind of, it seems like so many people are saying so much and they're saying it so well 
that I'm kind of reluctant to. <laughs> Do you know? No, I fully understand that because yeah, I've. I've not posted a single thing. I've not reposted a single thing, retweeted a single thing, because I'm very nervous about coming across as insensitive or a bit yeah. of a normal. And I'm very aware that I'm middle-class white man who's never suffered prejudice in any sort of way like that. So It seems better to, to support one of the bail funds than it does to just yeah. tweet some half-baked thought you've had about people looting televisions. What usually happens is that I tweet something out and then I find something way better and I just retweet that. And that. Well, I need, so you delete your original tweet. Depends. Um, I, I think I have quite an unhealthy relationship to Twitter, to be honest. How so? If I post something that's even like mildly controversial, I'd be like, neurotically checking my followers to see if people unfollowed me which is not a good relationship to have with it <laughs> no but that, that that's definitely the dark side of social media in general but if, if you're concerned about followers surely being controversial is the way to get followers on twitter it seems it is and also it's a good way of purging the bad followers <laughs> like if you if you come out unanimously supporting black people and few people follow you unfollow you then that's cleansing yourself of them is surely good. <laughs> I would hardly describe supporting black people as being controversial though. We say that, but it seems to be very controversial on on Twitter from my end. Well, yeah, that's just because well, Twitter is generally filled with some very terrible people. So also on Twitter, you've, you discuss your, your poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> A bad friend alert. So yeah. I've, I've never read your poems. I haven't no, read that, any of them. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I didn't even realise you wrote poetry until about a year ago. Maybe less. It is is when you won... Is either when you got published or when you won that award. It was one of the two. And I was like, fuck, like, well, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> it might have been when I was runner-up in the, the Bridport Poetry mm. Prize last year. Yeah, It's kind of a dirty secret of mine. Um, writing poetry yeah even though it's kind of the most wholesome activity you can do what transpired to you writing poetry like what happened what made you start i don't know really i mean i'd always been into writing and done bits of writing and immediately discarded them because i saw them as having no value um i remember when i was at university that poetry was something that i really became interested in and liked reading and since leaving, I don't know really, it's just, yeah. I think that it suits me more than writing short stories does or writing prose in general, because I, I tend to be a very kind of fastidious and fussy person. <laughs> and in a poem, everything has to be in exactly the right place. And you spend hours like thinking about like a line break wow. and moving bits and pieces around. Um, I think I remember reading um sylvia plath just um describing it as being like a little, a little watch like a little machine in which if not every little cog's in the right place then it just kind of doesn't work at all oh. so i guess that is also a kind of therapy too <laughs> basically everything i do is a form of therapy <laughs> just to try and bring order to the chaos that is your life i guess the reason i'm probably hesitant about talking about it is that Poetry has an extremely bad reputation. It's basically like 
the ponciest, most useless thing people can imagine. <laughs> it, it, it gets taught so badly in schools that it puts people off for life. I mean, I have to admit, yeah, I've, I've never really had much of an interest in poetry. I've read some Pablo Neruda, but yeah, that's very mainstream, I'd say. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's mainstream. But, um, but I mean, yeah. the, the contemporary poetry scene um, is really good, like really, really thriving. There's like so much good stuff being written all the time. So what, what kind of stuff are you paying attention to? If you were to introduce someone's poetry, say, read this, read this, who would you recommend? Um, the person who really got me into poetry was a guy called Crispin Best. And um, I think the reason for that is his poems are basically the exact opposite of what you imagine poetry to be. They're, they're non-traditional. They've got references to things like Street Fighter and Tub Girl, if you know what Tub Girl is. Um, and, and just like the sheer fact of including something like that in a poem, something that's meant to be like really like beautiful and well-crafted just is appealing. They're full of jokes. Wow. Okay. I That's worked. I'm definitely going to have to check this out and by all means send me the information. I'll include it in the in the comments, in the description to this episode. I, I, I got a good example in mind, so I'll send you the link to that. Absolutely. It's a poem called Io by Crispin Best, and it's, it'll hopefully change people's perceptions of poetry <laughs> for good. <laughs> so is that something that you want to be following further? Is it something you'd like to push, like your poetry? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I do um, all the time. Um, when lockdown first happened, I was probably writing three poems a week, one of which was probably good. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Um, I write a, a great many bad poems. <laughs> and you have to. Uh, are they only bad in your eyes, though? Like being your own like worst critic? Possibly, yeah. But I feel like my, my instinct is quite good. When I thought that a poem is good and sent it to a magazine, it's usually been picked up do you ever get anyone to proofread them before you send them off um no and i almost certainly should (laughs) (laughs) well i have had um i I recently submitted a whole pamphlet of poems about 25 poems to an open pamphlet competition and i got kiara to look at that um and and even though she's not particularly into poetry it definitely helped just to have someone else read them yeah absolutely get outside of your own head because i i I started writing a little bit at the beginning of of the lockdown like i needed something to keep my brain working as much as it possibly could and so i sent this they were like just little short stories of my life and i sent a few of them off to my sister Mm -hmm. and i sent a couple of them off to a girl that i've been talking to from tinder (laughs) oh right that's that's a bold move is that the new the new dick pic the uh the new professional story <laughs> potentially it is a story of embarrassing breakups and drunken nights out i don't know if you want to be talking about embarrassing breakups uh with someone you're attempting to call when i was 17 and it was hilarious so <laughs> even i can say that um and literally i sent it off to her and i it was like my third draft of this particular story i emailed them off to her and literally 10 seconds later she was like you've got a spelling mistake in the first line <laughs> <laughs> Did she, did she say anything about the actual content? 
of the piece, or did she just? Yeah, need- she really liked the first one. She said the second one was anticlimactic, and I needed to change the ending. Right. Which is which is good because that's the kind of thing I was looking to uh, get back. I needed some kind of constructive criticism, but I actually uh, gave up writing after a while because I found podcasting. Uh, I like the idea that maybe you have no interest in any of these women and you're just sending them stories for them. There's only one person I've sent them off to. This isn't. This okay. is why I'm on Tinder to get. It's not a pattern of behaviour. <laughs> Although that is not a bad idea. That is quite good. Best way to get people to read your stuff. I've, I today, in fact, uh, received a rejection letter from from a publication from one of them. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's important to get rejection letters. I can't. I can't tell you how many rejections I've had. It was my very first rejection letter because it's the only thing I've ever submitted anywhere. You never forget your first rejection. I genuinely <laughs> did so not deep. expect to get accepted at all. <laughs> it wasn't even like a. It was a publication on Medium. Yeah, yeah. It was a pub, it was a com- uh, comic comedy like satire publication, <laughs> and they were just they they just replied saying we we don't think this is suitable for us. I, was like, yeah, I read on right. Twitter the other day that somebody they sent no they got a rejection from um, a magazine that they they didn't even send work to. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. <laughs> it's hard to know how to feel about that. So just sort of going back to your poetry, it's you were saying you're writing sort of like three a week. You end up with one you like. Yeah. What, what would you do with the others? Do you just kind of like archive them and would you work on one at a later date or would you just give them up as a lost cause? Occasionally, they stay on my computer. Uh, quite often, I go back to something that I've written a while ago, believing at the time that it was terrible. And I think, actually, that is not so bad. And I might tweak it a bit and send it somewhere. Um, but I still rarely find success with those. Usually... I'll write one and know it's pretty good and send it off and it'll get picked up. But. So where can I find your poems then? Because I, I now I, I'm obligated to read them as your friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did have a website on which I posted things, but I just I found that I wasn't posting on there enough. And also, any time I posted a poem on there, it meant I couldn't send it to a magazine. So I was mm. like... But, but I, I mean, really, I should be having some out there and keeping some back. That's the, like, the ideal model. I, I, I don't want to talk about it like a model. That makes it sound like... <laughs> it's a working business plan. Yeah, but that's, that's kind of how it, it operates and how everything operates now. And so that, and that's where you want to go. You want to be, do you want to become sort of like an, an established poet that people know your name? And Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I, I have no illusions about making money from it. Like even top poets don't make money. Oh, right. Poets are historically very poor uh, and possibly deranged <laughs> <laughs> until their death. I'm assuming no one's ever appreciated yeah. in their own time when it comes to exactly. this sort of thing. Like um, you know the story about Herman Melville, how of course he wrote Moby Dick, an American classic, and um, they misspell his name on his gravestone. And he died penniless. <laughs> that's that's what that's what I want, basically. I will t- tell you what I'd like on my gravestone actually. I'd like um uh, achieved a fifty-six day Duolingo streak because I, I did that recently and I think that really is my crowning achievement. <laughs> that is actually quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, I've never I mean, lasted I mean, more I've never got a full seven day streak. Really? A full yeah. disclosure I did use a few of the streak freezes, but that's between you and Oh yeah, it's cutting corners, man. Go on. 
<laughs> so if I were to sort of, you know, I hate labeling people and pinning people into boxes and stuff, but if I were to say there were two sort of big passions that you had, say one is poetry and the other is politics. Yeah, I think that would be, that'd be fair enough. Yeah. So obviously this isn't a political show. Um, so we're not here to push an agenda. But I want to know more about the journey that kind of that you took from just kind of being a casual bystander who would vote to getting more involved in joining a party. Um, I would say the impetus for that was Jeremy Corbyn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Before Jeremy Corbyn, I don't think I would have felt compelled to um, knock on doors for the Labour Party. And I think a lot of um, particularly young, young people would feel the same way. So when was it that you actually decided, so you got involved when, uh, about two years ago? What, got involved in campaigning or, got, or joined the Labour Party? Joined the Labour Party. I think I joined the Labour Party about three or four years ago. So but probably about a year after Jeremy Corbyn became leader. Mm-hmm. And when I wasn't so bogged down in university work, I <laughs> naturally pay attention to what was going on. And then not too long after that, that's when you started joining in the campaigning. Um, I didn't really just, but again, I was very vocal on Twitter and stuff, but I only, it was the last election that I actually actively campaigned for the Labour Party. And what did that entail? Um, getting involved with the, the local Labour Party in Chichester and knocking on doors. And I really didn't do that much. <laughs> I gave money to Momentum. Uh, have you heard of Momentum? Yeah, I know Momentum, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big player in, in the activist community. Okay. <laughs> but is there a sense of community that surrounds that? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, like Labour Twitter or Socialist Twitter is definitely like a big thing. Um, and it's, um, it's difficult, difficult to explain, really. Are you, are you, you're not a member of any, any party? I'm not, no, not actively. No. Do you have any desire to be? Sometimes I think so. Um, the problem is, from what I've seen, well, my biggest problem is I don't feel like I'm knowledgeable enough to join a party. Yeah. I often have to, in each general election... I really have to work hard to think about who I would vote for. Mm-hmm. And I, I do take those um, anonymous policy quizzes that things like the BBC yeah. and YouGov put out that recommend who you would based on the policies that you agree with. But as politics evolve and as parties evolve and move forward, I don't feel like I'd feel comfortable tying myself down to one party because they may be what I want one yeah, and then four years later, I might look and think you're not suitable for what I would like the country to be like. So I don't think I'd be too chuffed with tying myself down and feeling like a bit of a mug jumping from party to party. No, I think that's fair enough. And I, I kind of feel like I'm in that position now because I joined the, the Labour Party when Jeremy Corbyn was leader and I agreed with basically everything he stood for and campaigned for. And now that we have Keir Starmer as leader, I am more kind of a passive supporter but there are a great many things Keir Starmer does which I'm just I don't agree with <laughs> well it's I like I said in a recording last week 
Do you vote for policies or do you vote for people? You should vote for policies, mm-hmm. I think. I, I, I don't think... It's kind of already happened, but you don't want to be in a position where you're voting for a person. You want to be in a position where you're voting for a kind of vision of society. And policies represent that much better than an individual. Then obviously you've got the people who are influencing the policies. Uh, on the other hand, yeah. there's a policy is only going to be as good as the person who can execute it correctly. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's just kind of how I feel. Would you say that you generally vote the same way or do you vote for different parties at each election? If I look back over the last few elections, I stick to the same field, but I haven't always yeah. voted for the same party. Like I say, I it's almost like whenever a conversation of politics comes up, it's almost like uh, I start getting a case of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Like, I always feel like I'm not intelligent enough or knowledgeable enough to discuss politics at depth. Yeah, I think that all people feel like that on some level. Mm. Um, But the the problem is there are so many people who are so clueless who are speaking very authoritatively about things. (laughs) And it's usually they who get heard. Well, one thing I always say is, obviously go educate yourself. I know I educate myself to the extent that I know who I'd like to vote for. Uh, I very, but I, I'm the first person to put my hands up and say, right, yeah, I, I can't comment any further on this discussion because I don't know quite so much to that extent. But always go and educate yourself and always seek out the truth or whatever, you know, like on social media when people will blindly retweet or repost something that will say, oh, in this town, they've decided not to put up poppies this year because it offends Muslims and you, it's, it's not true someone's made that up <laughs> but so don't blindly repost it believing it's the truth look into it first it seems as though people are very afraid of saying I don't know <laughs> they're kind of I don't know they don't want to admit to the weakness of not knowing whereas I think that sometimes it's necessary to say that you're not sure or that you need to look into something more before you can speak about it. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. I mean, if you'd caught me, well, no, I mean, you've, you've known me for like 16 years, but <laughs> if anyone else had caught me five, six years ago, I wouldn't have dared turn around and say, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I would have blindly pretended and bullshitted my way through a conversation. More often than not, people probably saw right through it. It's only until yeah. you get caught, caught out or burnt so many times or that one time too many that you tend to think, oh yeah, actually. Also, I, I personally see it as finding knowledge and educating yourself and teaching yourself something is one of the most empowering things a human can do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's nothing more exciting than learning something new, even if it's something small, you know? Yeah, I suppose it's, um, you've got to be wary though of where, where you educate yourself, right? Yeah, and Everything absolutely. you read, you've got to read critically. Um, Otherwise, you just become a mouthpiece for whatever piece of information, mm. whatever outlet you're pick, taking the information from. And especially with with politics, you know, by far, um, in this day and age of, honestly, like th- two, three years ago, 
fake news. Who would have heard of the term fake news? <laughs> and now it seems to be the one thing that everyone bloody talks about. It seems to be the only type of news. Yeah, exactly. But w- w- you know, would you would you recommend to other people to get more involved in politics? At as you have similar path to you or um i I'd, I'd probably encourage people not to be to not worry that they're not inf- not informed because i think people who have that worry that they're not informed enough to speak about things are in fact much more informed than people who just mouth off although that kind of contradicts with what i just said i appreciate <laughs> that <laughs> the thing the thing i have is I feel like if you feel like you're not informed, get the information before you vote. That's what I would say. Yeah. Because I think it it's dangerous territory when you stop blindly voting without really knowing what you're voting for. Yeah. Yeah, even if you go down and spoil the ballot, like take advantage of what what's been handed to you. Spoiling your ballot is one of the is incredible because it will go down as a statistic, it's better than not voting. Uh, earlier on, you were talking about poetry and you kind of discovering it in university. Yeah. So you went to university and you studied literature, correct? Yeah, yeah, I did. What made that? Why, why literature? Why that? What made you into that decision? Um, it seemed to be the thing that I was best at. <laughs> and also I think I, it was something that I'd always been interested in, like since I was very young. I kind of always read and enjoyed reading. And I kind of think that English literature kind of underpins everything in a way. Everything is kind of like a text to be read and to be critically unpicked. So I don't know, it just always, I, I, I never really had any doubts about what, I was I was going to study. There's never a question about what you're going to study, but I imagine there must have been a lot of question about what you would do next. Surely, there was basically none of that. No, <laughs> I didn't really think beyond university, um, which meant that I was in for a shock at the very end when I suddenly didn't know what I was going to do. And literature not exactly being a precise enough qualification to guide you down any specific path or qualify you for much no it kind of qualifies you for they say it qualifies you for everything and nothing Mm. i of course say that knowing full well that i never even finished uh, a college course (laughs) let alone went to uni so this isn't me uh taking a big old dump on your choices (laughs) yeah i just didn't really think about it i didn't think about job I was going to do um, because I was just so in I thought I guess I had it at the back of my mind that I might just stay in education and become a professor of English but uh, as more and more time went on I realized that I definitely didn't want to do that and when you look at state of higher education now I feel vindicated in not going down that path because it just seems so precarious and <laughs> underpaid and just <laughs> Just a just a big ball lake <laughs> in every respect. So at what point did you decide to go back to uni and do your master's degree? Um so I left uni and I um 
what did I do? I, well, for a time I worked with you, as you remember. Painfully. Uh, yeah, which, um, you know, I don't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it may have been bad for you, but it wasn't that bad for me. It was fun working with you and with Spencer, <laughs> whose episode will have recently come out as well. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> it was Definitely. just external circumstances was making it very difficult. <laughs> I'm also fully aware that during that time I was a, just a terrible employee. <laughs> you were um, so bad. <laughs> just so just so useless, just so unversed in uh, in being a productive efficient person. <laughs> um, then that's what happens when you study English for three years and you don't think about anything else. Um, yeah, but thinking about it, um, there were kind of a lot of opportunities to just think during that job. Um, it was kind of a, quite a solitary job for me anyway. Obviously, you were managing, so yeah. you are kind of directing people. But I mean, like, when I was set to do a task, I would do it poorly and slowly and just think about things <laughs> i've finally got an answer after all these years of why you were so bad <laughs> well, i wasn't intending to be bad though i just oh, that was clear was bad. yeah yeah well that's good <laughs> but it as was... long as it didn't seem as though i was trying to sabotage the company um, <laughs> if i ignored the fact that despite your minimum wage more or less I, you were still very overpaid and i was wasting money on you <laughs> it was <laughs> it was mm. so entertaining sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so you decided to go back and do your masters and that was literature also was that more uh, uh, more specific topic it was it was specifically um modern literature the actual name of the course was modern and contemporary literature culture and thought which sounds extremely grandiose mm. uh, and complicated but in fact they just call it that so that it encapsulates a lot, lots of modules that you can pick from. You can pick modules from social science and philosophy and English. So you get a lot of agency within it. Right. So you got to kind of explore your options a bit better, maybe experiment with something different. Yeah. Although um, the one big takeaway I got from my master's was that I definitely didn't want to be in higher education. I had to go back in order to learn that I didn't want to be there, essentially. Was that by seeing your tutors and how they were? Um, it was just the fact that, I don't know, that um, higher education seemed like a really kind of sad and lonely life in a way. Oh, wow. I kind of prefer a more social setting for a job like I have now, like working at the, at the gallery. So other than confirming that you didn't want to go into higher education... I also, that's, it wasn't all bad. I make it sound, no. <laughs> I definitely um, did a lot of interesting modules and also kind of brushed up on my poetry knowledge. There's a lot of poets that I read at university, particularly modern American poets that really kind of like directed my writing, which I wouldn't have come across possibly if I hadn't done that course. Uh, so other than confirming that you didn't want to go into the career of higher education, did it give you any more indication of what you did want to do? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad you did have some positive points to say about university because this is almost certainly putting off anyone who has considered it now. Oh no, p- people definitely should go to university. I think. Um, so you think it's the right choice? You think university is the right choice? If you feel like you want to go, you should go. 
even if you find many aspects of it bad, <laughs> I think on the whole, it is worthwhile. Um, it's just the same that you have to pay many thousands of pounds to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're definitely, definitely pros and cons. But I should say that when I was doing my master's, I was working at part time at the bookshop by then. Mm. So, yeah. I suppose I I did I enjoyed that and I, I and I continued doing that afterwards and then kind of elaborated on it by moving to the gallery. So, but that kind of developed independently of any study I was doing. Is there any plan for the future? Like where you'd like to take your career next? Um, not not particularly. I'm kind of in a good position now, working in the shop. The, the pay's not too bad, and it, I live where i work i live it's about a 10 minute walk for me but it means that i have a lot of time 10 minutes to, well, yeah a brisk pace 10 minutes <laughs> so how quick do you walk uh, well, anyone fast. listening like i know where josh lives and i know where he works it's not a 10 minute walk <laughs> well i mean i'm rounding down it might be 12 minutes if we're going to be mm. picky <laughs> okay. um it's definitely about it's definitely 10 minutes now there's no one around or, although in fact there are now people around but mm. at the height of lockdown um that was a breeze. So you're comfortable where you are now. You, you've, you've never have. By the sounds of it, you've never really had like a, a life plan. You've never really <laughs> thought to yourself, "This is where I want to be in five years. I'm going to do it through X, Y, and Z, and this will be the end result." No, not really. I'm not particularly um, invested in having any one career. To be honest, mm. I really just want to have time to do what i want to do and i just need enough money to support what i want to do and i want to pursue that yeah um well that's very yeah. wise words a very wise outlook what you've described is kind kind of where i'm at now in my own life yeah. but i think that's where we've always differed is that i've always had a plan and yeah that plan has never worked out some ever. of your plans have been more <laughs> like schemes uh, <laughs> such as um, I don't know. Um, your I don't know. Your plans seem to come out of uh, nowhere. It's almost like they just pop into your head, and you're like, "This is this is my plan now." I am an incredibly um, impulsive person. Yeah, hmm. I, I I see that. So, what's your plan? Is this this is your plan? The uh, the parallel YouTube account? No, and it's um. This is probably the happiest I've ever been with a quote unquote plan and it's there's no plan to it it's just i'm going to enjoy it while it's while it's happening you know if, if we look i mean the podcast isn't about me so to speak but if we look back over my adult life i've at first i was like right i'm, I'm going to go to university that was the plan all along i was going to go to university and do psychology and that never worked out i never got that far i was then i threw myself into my career at the point of turning 20 and i was like I said, when we worked together, I was going to actually do that as my career. Mm-hmm. Became a bartender and decided I was going to go into that and maybe open my own pub or open my own restaurant, which I've tried to do and never got that far. Uh, I tried to be a tree surgeon at one point, didn't I? That, <laughs> that turned out. <laughs> yeah. Nearly died. Um, <laughs> I guess that's, what, I, that's why I called them schemes, because they, they come like thick and fast. Mm. Like, I mean, obviously now for the, almost my entire 20s, I've been in pubs and restaurants and there's definitely a prevailing or common denominator there. 
do you feel like you're you're cut out for that mm, yeah yeah i'd say i am but when when i started this i was talking to my friend nat schooler who was on an episode recently he said to me what's the plan you know where are you going to go with this I, I told him the premise of the podcast and i said to him if it works out it works out if if i happen to earn a bit of money through monetization mm. fucking fantastic if i don't earn any money and i get 10 listens a week i'll be just as happy and i that's the first time in my life i can honestly say that because i'm just having so much fun doing this and yeah. i have a full-time job anyway i mean you know let's let's hope i've got a job after after the lockdown finishes but i'm having so much fun doing this i don't actually mind too much and it's like you say if i can earn enough money outside to do the things i enjoy now wonderful if i happen to earn money while enjoying this then great and it's not like i hate my job i enjoy my job anyway i was just i suppose doing this is preventing you from going insane as well because you live on your own time ago (laughs) but being able to talk to many people at length i mean that must be like a lifeline (laughs) it is so relieving it really is um i think that's why i've been pushing for us all to have so many zoom chats with drinks or go on the house party app <laughs> so i could yeah. actually have because you, you guys all all live with your partners or yeah housemates i have neither <laughs> but i've heard that um somewhere that people who record podcasts sometimes they'll think afterwards oh that was really terrible it wasn't at all funny like we can't publish that but then they'll listen back to it and be like actually this is fine i don't know why we felt so bad about this. Yeah, you do, but it's the same process as what you said about your poems. You, you write yeah. something, you think this is a load of shit, but actually you're just critiquing yourself too much. Yeah, I guess you've just got this like voice at the back of your head being mm. like, this is crap, what you're doing is just crap. And then when you revisit it without that, it's like, it's actually okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're never going to get anywhere if you don't actually do it in the first place. You're never going to get published if you don't submit your work to the publishers. I'm never yeah. going to get a listener if I don't actually publish an episode. And that's the way I do it. That's yeah. when I got Matt involved. I was like, right, I've just got to do this now. I've prepped enough. Yeah. Just got to actually right. ask someone some questions. In, ter- in terms of the way I submit things, I, I tend to be very strategic. Like I'll lay out a list of deadlines for certain magazines and I'll like get things ready, poems ready in advance. Yeah. It's kind of like a hustle. Uh, <laughs> it's like a poetry hustle. <laughs> I like that. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.